I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, the nominations are in. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, we'll break down some of the highs and lows of the Emmy nominations. I also saw Shazam this week, so we'll see where it ranks with the other superhero movies. I also feel like I need to go to confession, because this week I started watching... I don't even want to say it out loud. I started watching Love Island. What? I'll tell you how that went. But first... The Emmy nominations came out with a record for Game of Thrones. Ooh. 32 nominations for Game of Thrones. I know it beat NYPD Blue. That's not cool. No? That's my show. Are you still holding a grudge? I love for NYPD. Wow. Yeah, so uh, cast of Game of Thrones now has their eyes on some Emmys, never mind the Iron Throne. 32 Emmys, double-digit Emmy nominations this past Tuesday. That's a new record for most nominations earned in a single year by any drama series. The nominations included one for Best Drama and a slew of individual nominations for cast members, including Kit Harington, Amelia Clark, Lena Headey, Sophie Turner, Maisie Williams, and Gwendoline Christie. It's the first time four actresses from the same drama have been nominated in the Supporting Actress category. And to date... The show has won 47 Emmys and been nominated 161 times, including this year's nominations. Currently the most Emmy-winning primetime series in history. So here's the question. Do you think it has the stuff to take the best drama trophy, Jeff Broad? Best drama is, that is, I would say that is the biggest lock of the night. It will win best drama. Uh, you can argue to the clouds come home whether or not the season was any good, but it is going to win. It had that much of an impact. I mean, the Sopranos won for its last season. That was by no means its best season either. Yeah. And it lost out on seasons where it was where it was like its best season probably didn't win. The Emmys don't reward the proper seasons usually so it's definitely going to win best drama. Uh, it's going to lose a bunch obviously because you can only one of these actresses can win the best supporting actress award so it's guaranteed to lose three there. Who else is nominated? I'm going to... Supporting actress in a, in a drama, drama series so yeah there Let's are there are six nominees. Four of them again Maisie Williams as Arya Stark, Sophie Turner as uh, Sansa Stark Lena Headey as Cersei Lannister and Gwendolyn Christie as uh, Brienne. Brienne of Tarth. And then up against got... Julia Garner of Ozark. Who's she playing that? Do you know who that one is? I gotta... You're going to look that one up. And yeah. on um, from the show Killing Eve, Fiona Shaw is nominated. And both Killing Eve and Ozark have multiple nominations this year as well. And I've heard that she's excellent in Killing Eve. And I can yeah. confirm Julia Garner is uh, the younger blonde with the, the curly hair, sort of. And she's also excellent. Yeah, she's yeah, great yeah. in that show. So it she would be interesting to see someone oh. from, not from Game of Thrones win in that category. They could split the vote very easily if yeah. there's that many. And the, the other thing I will say about that category is the Lena Headey nomination is, of all the, the, that's pretty ridiculous. She didn't, Cersei did hardly anything that entire season except stand and look out the window. It was the biggest waste of Lena Headey I've ever seen. That's yeah. my biggest, my biggest gripe about that whole season is, it's like, why would you have this awesome character for all these years and then just do nothing with her at the end? I know, it's terrible. We'll circle back to drama in a few minutes, but I think I want to touch on this because this was probably the big story, not just in Canada, but it was one of the big stories in the United States as well because a lot of people have been pulling for Shit's Creek. 
Hamilton-born Eugene Levy and Toronto native Catherine O'Hara also got acting nominations for starring on Schitt's Creek, which airs on CBC and Pop TV. The show was also nominated for Best Contemporary Costumes. Other Canadians named in today's nominations include Ottawa native Sandra Oh, who was in the running for her lead role on BBC America's Killing Eve and for hosting NBC's Saturday Night Live. And Hamilton native Luke Kirby is nominated for Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime Video. Victoria Ahern, The Canadian Press. So we talked about Schitt's Creek in recent weeks after Dan Levy winning at the MTV Movie and TV Awards, and that kind of triggered this call from a lot of people in the U.S. saying, hey, this show needs to be nominated. It airs on something called Pop TV. Yeah, I think it's on earlier seasons on Netflix as well, yeah. which is probably by far where more people watch it. Yeah, but uh, it's it's got this big following now in the States. It's I think this is its fifth season that it's nominated for. It's I think they're producing its their final sixth season. season, sixth and final season. And uh, I admit I this is a show I've never seen before, and I, I'd actually heard kind of bad things about it when it first started. I tried watching it when it first started, and I, I watched, I think, two episodes, and I didn't care for it. Yeah. And I don't know if I... If I went back and watched it, if I gave it a, a real proper shot, watched like six or eight episodes that I would. But yeah, but hey, we're not going to like the shows that everybody else likes every single time. So I never gave it a chance, to be fair. So I feel like I need to because I love this cast. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, O'Hara are amazing. Yeah. And they both got nominated. They're TV comedy royalty in Canada, and they deserve every accolade they ever get just from SCTV alone and everything good they've done ever since. Well, they are up against in the comedy series. They're up against Barry on HBO. With uh, That's that Bill Hader show. Yep. Have you watched any of that? Nope. It's on my list. That's a good one. And it's a force, too. It's like Henry Winkler's one. Didn't he? win an Emmy last year for it yeah and and what's his the guy that plays Barry the guy you just said one too Bill Hader yeah Uh, Fleabag on Amazon Prime very critically acclaimed they go nuts for that show that's actually top on my list I have never even heard of it yeah it's it's only two short seasons apparently and apparently it's very funny The Good Place there we go that's a show we like finally getting some love that's right on NBC in the States global TV here in Canada good to see it is that its first nomination in series? I think for comedy series. I think, and the Emmys. It's I always, I get them all mixed up because you get the Golden Globes too, right? And yeah. So, but I think it is, his, I think I read it's his first comedy Emmy nomination. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the aforementioned show from Amazon Prime. That's won a ton of awards in recent yep. years. Russian Doll. That's a show I think I've heard of. This is on it's Netflix. With Natasha Leone. I thought, it, until this week when the nominations came out, I thought it was a drama. Yeah, it looked like a drama scene, yeah. the poster, I think. Uh, Shit's Creek, and then Veep. Bum, bum. Is Veep the lock for that one? I, it, I think so. Every, you can analyze it eight different ways, because I could make the argue that Barry's got the momentum or whatever, because it's critically acclaimed. People love Barry, and apparently it's very good. Uh, and Or with Fleabag, or with Shit's Creek even. But... Uh, the number one rule that they say really applies to the Emmys, and they hammer it every year, and it's obvious, is that the Emmys are just—they're just not original. They just give the award to the same people over and over and over again. They just 
Like, because nothing repeats more than the Emmys. Well, the Oscars obviously can't. Yeah. But you you get these Emmy runs, and Veep's already been one of them, where a show or an actor wins four or five years in a row, like Modern Family won, what, yeah. four in a year yep. in a row. Uh, Frasier won a bunch in a row. NYPD Blue ran a bunch in a row at the time and stuff like that. So it would be dumb to vote against Veep, especially in its final season, and especially because of the it took Lasser off, and it did for, like, sad reasons. So it's like the triumphant return of Veep. So I... I would I would pick Veep if I had to lay money on it. Okay, and then looking at uh, some of the acting as well, I see in the lead actor in a comedy series, go, Eugene boy. Levy is in there, but Ted Danson, yeah, for the Good Place, and he's already got Emmys too. But I wouldn't, I would never have a problem with giving Ted Danson an Emmy. Yeah, that's a tough category. Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Don Cheadle for Black Monday, another show I've not heard of. Yeah, but Come Don on. Cheadle seems to get nominated every year, but it's like, but he's on all these different shows. It's yeah. never the same show. Michael Douglas for the Kaminsky Method, which was, I think, didn't that win at the Golden Globes? Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, Bill Hader got nominated for Barry, and then Eugene Levy for Schitt's Creek, and then in the lead actress category, Christina Applegate in Dead to Me. I've heard nothing but good things about that show. Have you sampled it yet? I have not. That's on Netflix. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep, Natasha Lyonne for Russian Doll, Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge for this uh, Fleabag show. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She'll have a perfect record of, uh, what was it, six seasons total, and she'll go six or six. Oh, wow. That's what, that's what I would guess. She, and, then she'll, uh, and then she'll start a new show. <laughs> <laughs> Which will she'll win the Emmys yep. for every year that she's in that, exactly. and every other comedic actress on the planet will grow to hate her if they don't already just hate retire her. already. Yeah, you should do drama. You'd be good at it. Well, speaking of drama, <laughs> let's circle back to that in a moment. Gesundheit. <laughs> You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, talking about Emmy nominations, and we started talking with Game of Thrones, and then we jumped into comedy because of the success of Schitt's Creek, the Canadian show that's got four nominations, but we do want to go back to drama because we haven't gone over the nominees for the best drama series yet. What are they, Jeff? Uh, The winner is Game of Thrones, Brett, and the other nominees (laughs) are... (laughs) He's just declaring the winner. Better Call Saul, Bodyguard, Killing Eve... Ozark Pose, which is an FX show, Succession, which is an HBO show, and then, of course, uh, the one network show, NBC's This Is Us. Now, you watch, you've, you've, met, uh, you've definitely mentioned Bodyguard and Ozark before. Did you watch Succession? No, that was, uh, I, I think Brian Cox is in that one, right? I it looks know. good, and uh, it's just one of those shows that I never got into, much like Billions, right. that Showtime show with Paul Giamatti yep. and... Uh, the other guy, the guy from Dreamcatcher, and that show we used to like on NBC called Life. Of course, I oh, the guy from Band of Homeland. Brothers. Yeah, yeah Damien. What is Damien Lewis? There we go. Yeah. Took us a while to get there. We, we know his IMDb well. We just <laughs> can't remember not his name. <laughs> uh, so that that show looked good, but I never got to it. Same with Succession. Pose uh, is a show that I only ever hear about at awards times. Same here. Yeah. So whatever. There's always a show, at least one show like that. But I was actually thinking, and at first I wrote down a note: the drama category seems pretty thin. But then I wrote, well, to be fair, I haven't seen these shows, and then. I Wrote well. This is the first time I've actually felt pretty out to lunch on so many of these shows. There's just so many shows out there. You could never get around to all of them if you wanted to, and you don't really. There's a lot of new blood this year. You don't really know what's going to come along for these sort of awards anymore. Well, and I, I, I don't think Ozark belongs in this category at all. I like Ozark. I think it's a good show. Yeah. I thought season two was not as strong as its first one. 
and uh, I just and I didn't even think the first one was strong enough to be nominated. I uh, like again, great show. It's just not, I think, among the best of the best. No. Killing Eve. I haven't watched that, but my dad, Smash Gordon, he loves that show. Really, and he's been hounding me to watch it. Bodyguard. I did watch that. It's that's a show from yeah, Europe. Right. It's uh, I think uh, I can't. I think it's only six episodes. It's short. I can't, it's either six or it's eight, but it's amazing. Better Call Saul. We love that show. That's going to be a perennial runner-up, I it's, think. It's, yeah, that's going to, at the end of the day, everyone's going to look back and be like, can you believe Better Call Saul never won an Emmy? It's ridiculous. And, and This Is Us has been nominated, I think, for every year. It's been on, what, three seasons now? Yeah. I never hear anybody talk about it anymore. Oh, I think, yeah, I think what happened was it became, it. I think it, it tried too hard to be crybait. They tried to make you cry, and it was... People caught on. It, yeah, I, even I caught on, and I thought, okay, you're trying too hard. So yeah. they did, and season three, there was a lull sort of halfway through the first part of the season, and then it picked up after it took its mid-season break. And I okay. thought it was still an excellent show, but I also think that this is us not going to win. That you, Once you take Game of Thrones out of the mix, next year will be interesting to see. Well, next year will be very interesting to see, and it's because of what's missing this year, and that includes things, well, Stranger Things probably would have been nominated. It got nominated for season two right yeah i believe so but uh the handmaid's tale big little lies both of those started the first week of june because and the cutoff date was may 30th and i'm almost certain these guys are just want to get out of game of thrones way yeah they're like no we'll start a week later not be eligible to go up against game of thrones why lose that war when we can come back next year and possibly win so i i almost guarantee you that's what's happening so that's why a lot of previously nominated shows just aren't up this time and also things like like westworld that's not coming back till january apparently or oh my god like yeah so the, just the way things are now in the tv landscape is other than the shows that are on the networks or what or if netflix is cracking the whip or something like that most of these shows now take seem to take a year and a half at least in between seasons mm-hmm. so the, the schedule is just all winkety wonkety yeah, winkety wonkety. I like that. Yeah. Is that the the technical term? It is. It is. Okay, winkety wonkety. Sorry it's... for the Hollywood jargon, you guys. <laughs> and the interesting thing about Big Little Lies too is it won all of its Emmys in the best limited series category because yeah. it was only meant to be one season and, and then done. It, uh, one here's a weird thing: Handmaid's Tale season three is on now, not eligible. Bradley Whitford is nominated for the Handmaid's Tale from season two. And that's because the running, the airing of the season two episodes straddled the cutoff line. And there's this gray window where May 30th, half if, to be nominated for series, half the episodes of the season have to have run before the cutoff line of May 30th, which it did. So it was season two as best series and best actor, actress. The, all the high ranking nominations had to go, were eligible. But then for some technical stuff and this Bradley Whitford nomination, which is best guest actor, okay, those can air after the cutoff point <laughs> and be eligible for the next season. And it gets even dirtier with uh, there's three weeks in June between the cutoff point and the end of the nomination period. Oh my God. And if it airs outside of that, then it's not eligible, but it airs in that gray window. So it is, or something like that. And I guess he had like an episode that aired like a day before some other weird cutoff points or something. It's, it's very hinky, but like season two of handmade sales got like four nominations. Wow. Yeah. I never did end up finishing season two, and now we're well into season three. And I've not started season three, and I still, I'd have 
no appetite to go into really? it. Apparently, well, I've read bad things about it, and I was not enjoying the second season as it was either. What? That's just so weird, because that first season was among the most perfect televisions of, or seasons of television I've ever watched. Some, well, it's Hollywood greed, and we see it with sequels at the movies constantly, and now in television we're starting to see it with these extra seasons of things that do not need to have extra seasons. It, season one of Handmaid's Tale was great because it was based on a book from beginning to end that was great. Mm-hmm. Same with Big Little Lies. Season one, I think, was much better than season two. There's a lot of good stuff in season two, but it's not, a, you don't get the fun of the mystery of it all like you had in the first season. Yeah. And so, and it's, so I think some of these things where, you know, but you also, you can't blame them because the Hollywood isn't based on we're here to create great art. It's based on we're here to make money for shareholders yep. of phone companies at this point. <laughs> so AT&T is like, no, you guys need to put out more seasons of whatever you just put out. Limited series, I think, is going to be a good category this year because it has two series that... Did you watch Chernobyl? Nope. Okay, I watched two Chernobyl, gross. and you watched When They See Us. Yep. I watched one episode of When They See Us. I think it's out of... Well, and it could be this Escape at Danamora because that one... Uh, Golden Globes. That one Golden Globes. Yeah. But I think it's got to be Chernobyl or When They See Us. And yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I, I can't make a prediction. I would have said Chernobyl when I watched that, but then When They See Us immediately came out after that. And that's got all kinds of momentum. So who knows? Sharp Objects got nominated from HBO. I reviewed that a few months back. I recommend that you never watch Sharp Objects. And I feel like that aired... Like- July... Yeah, okay, it was just... Pe- so by the time September rolls around, when the Emmys come out, this thing will have aired 14 months previous or something like that. It's yeah. so weird when that happens, but that's what are they going to do? Up next, I'm going to tell you why I need to take a shower, because I feel gross. Huh. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. We want to talk about Emmy snubs, and we'll try to get to that by the end of this episode, if not this week, the next week. But we want to switch gears here, and I I did something this week that I feel kind of gross about. I started watching the much-hyped, much-ballyhooed summer reality show, Love Island. Imagine being marooned on an island with a bunch of hotties. Want to meet some boys? Welcome to Love Island, where everyone is coupled from day one. Kendall. Jack. Laura. But don't worry if it doesn't work out. Hi, boys. There's an endless supply of sassy singles waiting for their chance at romance five nights a week. The international sensation Love Island premieres CBS Tuesday, July 9th. So this is CBS's adaptation of a British show that has been around in various iterations since 2005. Its current run is now on to its fifth series, or season, as we call it over here. Then uh, that's just for the current run, Not ex- that, that doesn't include the previous That's series. the British run? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's been around for a long time. As you heard, this show was on five nights a week on CBS. By the oh. way, just in case you're hearing like some static on our microphone, apologies for that. The microphones don't even want to talk about Love Island. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, the, the couch okay. potatoes just are, aren't smart enough to fix this. Five nights a week? That is ridiculous. If uh, Look, I'm not going to judge people on how they live their lives, but it's summertime in Canada. You need to not be in your house watching TV five nights a week. Well, what about soap operas? They're on five days a week. I guess they're trying I to create. They're trying to create the summer soap, but I I 
completely agree with you. It's <laughs> it's too much. Like that's one of the reasons why I stopped watching shows like Big Brother and yeah. America's Got Talent or American Idol or Dancing with the Stars. I used to watch all that stuff, but it was too much because you got to watch the 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 with the just take a Dancing with the Stars. You got to watch the the, the performance show, and then you got to watch the results show. Big Brother. It was three episodes a week. It was too much. So with this, it's five nights a week. Definitely too much. But I was curious, so I checked it out. Now the premise is simple: a bunch of hot young singles are staying in a fancy house on an island in Fiji. The show started with five women and five men, or girls and boys, as the show calls them. We meet them all, and they all get immediately coupled up. But then, very quickly, a vixen enters the mix. Oh. A sixth single woman, but there are only five guys. What's going to happen, Jeff? One guy gets two girls. That was uh, one of the options, yeah. Eventually, the new girl, though, gets to steal a boy away. And then suddenly, two new boys have appeared. And eventually, there's another recoupling ceremony. And the boy who's left with no one gets dumped off the island. Sounds kind of dramatic. I'm only four episodes in. The first week, it was only on four days instead of five. Uh, but it's, well, I'll tell you how it is in a second. I first will say this show had massive hype heading into it. The promos and marketing were just inescapable. It seemed like something that would do well for summer television for network TV, and yet it's not. Its ratings are awful. Good. It should be, because that premise is ridiculous. The downside sounds worse than rejection in real life, yep. and the upside is not nearly as good as real life. Well, it's a big hit in the UK with upwards of 6 million people watching, but here's the thing. the The Europeans, they don't... They don't shy away from adult fun. Like, they have no problem with with sexy stuff happening. They're a little bit more laid back than North America. So when you watch a show like Love Island, you probably want to see people fooling around. But, of course, it's American network television. They can't get into that. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they, from what I understand, there is a scene in its second week that gets borderline X-rated. Which probably means that you could see things happening under the sheets or whatever. But anyway, in the U.S., not doing so well. Its debut episode had 2.61 million, and the ratings have kind of dropped off a little bit. By comparison, CBS's other trashy TV show, Big Brother, still holding steady around 4 million viewers an episode. So why are the ratings bad? Well... A uh, number of things, but mostly it's just kind of boring. Ugh. Like, first I'll say, it's been an interesting experience going back to watch a show like this after many years. Because, yes, I used to watch stuff like this. I watched, Temp- remember Temptation Island? Yep. Early 2000s, and I know it's since been rebooted, <laughs> I think, on E! But I loved Temptation Island. I also watched a few seasons of The Bachelor. And, hey, it's addictive stuff. My favorite, though, was Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. That was so trashy wow. and so addictive and so much fun. But that was last on in 2009. So that's the last one that I watched. It's been 10 years since I've watched something like this. Now that I'm 41 and going back to a kind of show where it's a bunch of young whippersnappers in their 20s running around, I yeah. kind of felt like Clint Eastwood yelling at them to get off my lawn because I just can't stand the way they speak, which makes me gag because it means <laughs> I'm getting old. I yep. don't want to be that cranky old guy, but they keep using this word vibing, as in, I was really vibing with her, or I want to see if we, if, we, if we vibe with each other, or we were vibing real good, and then I don't know what happened. Ugh. I mean, I get it. The English language evolves, but... I hate it. I, they also pick a lot of 
airheads from California to be on these shows, do they not? Uh, well, there are, there are people from all over the place. I got a guy from Texas, but it didn't seem to but, matter where they were from geographically. Yeah. They all like the word vibe. I also vibing. think, especially on shows like this, that there's from Texas, but he's lived in California the last 10 years or something. Yeah, like could, be, yeah. could be. Could you be. Know, just make sure he wears a cowboy hat <laughs> to sell the Texas thing. And uh, the number of times the word like is used. I realize that is not a new phenomenon. For decades, young people have been made fun of for using the word like too much. And obviously, it's not only young people, of course, but they are the worst offenders. And in this show, it is terrible. It's almost unwatchable to the point where the narrator, even the narrator, mocked them. There's a moment where he says, allow me to summarize the next conversation you're about to hear. Like, 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 like. So like, yeah, like, 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 like. (laughs) Which is interesting, and that kind of brings me to my next point. I don't know how I feel about the narration. His name is Matthew Hoffman, and he's uh, he's the host of Regal Cinema's Sit Down with the Stars. He basically interviews celebrities, and he's got good presence, I'll give him that. But he sounds like he wants to be Ryan Reynolds, for example. Fiji is known for its beautiful beaches and its ridiculous international roaming charges, but I'm not paying for it. Send! So that was kind of funny. And I think it's a nice change of pace from other shows like where they take it so seriously. I just said, I meant to say other shows like this, but I just said other shows like. Yeah, you did. So I, I felt, see, I'm guilty too. The Joe Schmo show still tops the ceremoniousness. The Joe Schmo show, yes. With the plate, it goes, they have this, the commemorative plate with your face emblazoned on yeah. it. And he goes, uh, ashes, to ashes, 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 dust to dust, Brett, you're dead to us and throws the plate <laughs> in the fireplace. <laughs> But, but, the, so but I'm talking about just the voiceover guy, the narrator, and uh, it, so it's nice that they oh, yeah, yeah. they don't take it so seriously. But it it's weird because as the show goes on, like he just keeps making fun of the contestants and making fun of the show and making fun of the reality show. And I sort of like that it's not taking itself seriously, but it's also I think insulting to the people who have tuned in who really want to watch this sh- this stuff. Like, if you want to watch a show like The Bachelor or Love yeah. Island, there is a serious audience for that. So when you have a narrator who's constantly mocking the contestants in the format, then it's almost like you're mocking your audience. <laughs> so and so I think the person That's why that, the ratings are now. Yeah, and I think the person they're trying to appeal to is the, is the person like me who's curious about this mega summer event, and I feel guilty about watching it. So it's almost like the narrator is there to remind you, hey, it's a guilty pleasure, just enjoy it. But it ends up being just annoying because it's trying too hard. And then above all else, like I said, the show is just boring, and it's on every night. So I watched it because my girlfriend said, hey, I'm, I'm curious about this, let's watch it. I thought, well, this will be fun to watch together as a couple, and we sit there and laugh at the the millennials saying things like vibing and whatever and wearing their pants rolled up uh, sort of just uh, above the ankles, which is uh, another young person thing, which I've grown to hate. So I don't know. All Love Island has accomplished <laughs> is made me realize that I'm getting old. Yeah. And apparently I hate young people. That's what I've noticed that with Survivor <laughs> now is because uh, you used to watch Survivor and it's like, oh, get rid of the old guy. And now I watch Survivor and it's like, oh, come on, old guy. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's over 40. He's got to stay in this. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of those youngsters. And I do not hate young people, just the young people on this show. I can't recommend Love Island. And five nights a week, that's just too much. Ugh. Up next, Jeff is going to tell you about Shazam. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And I saw a movie this week on Blu-ray DVD, courtesy of Warner Brothers, who sent it to us. Finally got around to seeing Shazam. Shazam! 
on April 5th. Shazam is the best superhero film since last month. Wait, what? Oh, whatever, screw it. And the most fun you'll have at the movies all year. It shouldn't work, but damn it does! It electrifies the DC universe. Gandhi said that. I don't think he said that. Yeah, he did. It was a really wide, it might have been Yoda. Shazam, rated PG-13. Experience it at IMAX. It's a different sort of a superhero movie starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, and Jack Dylan Grazer. Those last two are kid actors, and it's not a kid's movie per se, but it is kid-centric. That Jack Dylan Grazer, by the way, was, uh, he was an it. He was one of the Four little kids in that show. Oh, wow. And I've seen him in others. He was in uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Bobby Moynihan's sitcom uh, that got canceled after like five episodes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a good kid actor, though. Uh, but both our hero, Shazam, and the bad guy have their origins in their childhood in this movie. The movie opens with a kid, Thaddeus Savannah, and if that's not the bad guy's name, I don't know what is, arguing with his dad and his brother in the car. Young Thad is somehow swept away to some weird magic realm where he meets a wizard played by Jaiman Hansu. The wizard is old Shazam looking for a new champion to be a hero to take on the Shazam mantle, but you have to be pure of heart and he can tell Thad is a bad guy waiting to happen. So Thad is rejected, but he becomes obsessed and spends his life trying to get back to the wizard. Yada, yada, yada. He's evil. He gets some bad magic from the realm. The wizard finds a different kid to bestow the Shazamness of it all onto. And that kid is Billy Batson. He's a foster kid looking for his real mom. And I will take this moment to point out how nice it was to see a foster family in the movie portrayed in a very positive light. Children in care is never an easy issue, as we know. Lord knows there are problems. But there are a lot of good people trying to help kids who need help. And it's nice to see that in a movie once in a while. So, Billy Batson gets Shazammed, which means he can become a superhero by saying the word Shazam, and when he's a hero, he's a grown-up, played by Zachary Levi, who was Chuck on the show Chuck. Uh, He looks like a grown-up, but he acts like a kid, so there's a sort of like a Tom Hanks and Big thing going on as well, and there's a couple little nods to that as well in the movie. It's kind of cool. His foster brother, Freddy, tries to help him navigate his new identity. Freddy tests his powers in a series of very funny scenes, and he knows all the rules and the ins and outs of the superhero life, and of course I will point out in this movie, which is set in the DC Extended Universe, so Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are a reality to these kids. Shazam is not the first hero to come along, but he is probably the first who's really a kid in a grown-up body. The movie has a lot of fun with that stuff, like him buying beer or going to a strip club and other adult things. The movie is much more fun in tone than most superhero movies, certainly more than most DC movies. Uh, And in fact, that's one of the reasons I sort of regarded as a sort of a second-tier superhero movie. It doesn't take itself very seriously at all, and when it does, it's not terribly convincing about it. The bad guy tries to look tough, but it mostly comes off more like a villain in a kid's movie, so it's it's a little bush in some of the production values at times as well, I thought, which I thought was really weird. I know they have to try and stick to the comics, but Shazam has a cape that looks ridiculous from behind, and the bulk of the suits kind of look fake as well. I think it is a fun family movie, and the story beats are solid throughout, but it does feel like you're at the kids' table while Superman and Batman are the grown-ups' table. That said, there's some also some monster imagery that might be a little too much for very small kids, so while it's a family movie, there might be a few scary imageries or images in it. Uh, I'll give it three couch cushions out of five, but if I'm at home and it comes on TV, I'll watch it for sure. Yeah, I want to see this. I love Zachary Levi. He was great, and Chuck, that was one of my favorite shows of the last uh, 10, 15 years or so, so uh, anything he's in, I try to yeah. check it out, so eventually I'll uh, get my hands on, maybe I'll just uh, borrow your Blu-ray. If that's oh, absolutely. Jeffrey. Yep. 
Yep. Okay, we got about three and a half minutes left in this week's Couch Potatoes Emmy snubs. Yeah, oh, here's the snub. Uh, Julia Roberts was in a show Homecoming on Amazon where everyone just sort of assumed she would get nominated because she's Julia Roberts. And to be fair, uh, it's pretty shocking that they wouldn't nominate her. Yeah. Because apparently she's good in it. Okay. Rhea Seahorn and Better Call Saul, never nominated. That's oh. a crime because she's arguably one of the two best actors on that show. And she's probably the emotional, uh, the moral compass, the emotional heart of that show. She's absolutely the story I care about the most because the stuff with uh, Gus and the gangsters or whatever, you can sort of figure where that's going to go because it's going to lead into better call or into Breaking Bad. But with her, you have no idea where it's going to go because she wasn't in Breaking Bad. I know. Um, the Good Place actresses didn't get nominated, which is kind of bad. Janet and uh, the main Kristen Bell or whatever. Mm. True Detective as a show didn't get nominated. Mahershala Ali did, but I thought season three was super solid. I would have totally nominated that show. I wouldn't have. I don't. Oh, you didn't like it, eh? <laughs> no, I liked it. I just didn't think it was. I didn't think it was as good as. Or I didn't like it as much as you did. Right. But 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 Mahershala Ali was excellent in that. George Clooney had a miniseries called Catch Twenty Two that came out in May that I was didn't even know was out already. But it just came and went. And it's weird. You would think a Clooney associated thing would get a little a bit of love. Oh, I'd also say Stephen Dorff. In True Detective. Yeah, he, he was great. He was really good. Yeah. And uh, maybe most surprising of all, Big Bang Theory just didn't get nothing. Really? Or nothing. Didn't get anything, I should say. Nope. Yeah. And that was, and it's for a final season, and it was beloved by the Emmys previously. So it's, it's weird when, and it didn't really peter out audience wise. I don't know why it's petering out like this. Well, yeah, I don't know. So. I, maybe, I mean, how many Emmys did. The Sheldon, what's his name? Yeah. Sheldon Acker. Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. How many Emmys did he win for? He won, I would think, at least four. He won a lot. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they're just tired of it. It's one of those shows that maybe they figure they that it's had its run and I guess. and go away. It's they also, do. They're, they, they don't, the, the Emmys don't seem to like network television. They give one token show a nomination for drama. Did any network shows get nominated for best comedy? I don't just think so. The Good Place. Oh, yes. The Good Place. And okay. that is about as far out of left field as any network show could possibly be. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel like a regular network show. No, it doesn't. It's uh, it, it, it could be on any cable network and fit yeah. right in there. Well, and re- what about uh, variety talk show? Because I know you used to like the David Letterman. You've got the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Full Frontal with Samantha B, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Late Late Show with James Corden, and Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I would my vote would go to John Oliver. I don't watch him every week, but whenever I do. That guy is just solid. He's hilarious. And and he does a deep dive on stuff. Most of these other guys, if they're doing topical jokes, it's just a little, if, if anything, maybe a three or four minute bit. And he does like these 20 minute deep dive bits into stuff that some of it's like bordering on real journalism. Yeah. And he usually does win, much to the chagrin of his fellow contestants <laughs> who have, uh, they, 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 they always have fun with that too when they yeah, come yeah. out and they're like, yeah, congratulations, John, for your, for winning an award <laughs> for your, your weekly show. Well, we're doing nightly shows. Yeah, that's true. Your he work. does a weekly half hour, and they're like putting out five hours a week. Is it only half an hour? I think so. Oh god! I usually, honestly, I only ever watch uh, him via YouTube. So okay. Hey, that's all the time we've got. Next week, we're going to talk about our favorite TV shows of 2019 so far. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Couch Potato 68. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.